welcome to another episode of James Bond and Friends. This week, James Bond is busy learning his Photoshop tutorials and how to use more than two layers on a design. So I'm your filling, I'm your filling host, James Page from my six. And today we're quickly going to review the trailer two, as it was dubbed today, for No Time to Die. And our panel today includes AJ Chowdhury, David Lee, Calvin Dyson, Phil Neville Jr., Ben Williams, Bill Koenig, and Dr. Lisa Funnel. Would you like to introduce yourself, guys? Hi, yeah. Uh... I'm AJ Chowdhury. I'm the spokesperson for the James Bond International Fan Club and the co-author with Matthew Field of Some Kind of Hero, the remarkable story of the James Bond films, an 800-page biography of the Bond films, which leads us right up to the hiring of Danny Boyle as the director. And I'm David Lee. I run the jamesbonddossier.com and I'm the author of The Complete Guide to the Drinks of James Bond. I'm Calvin Dyson, and I run the Calvin Dyson YouTube channel, where I make video reviews of all things Bond, from the films, books, games, uh, you name it, and trailers, too. (laughs) (laughs) This is Phil Nobile Jr., editor-in-chief of Fangoria Magazine, lifetime James Bond fan. Uh, uh, Hi, this is Ben Williams. Uh, I'm a writer for MI6HQ.com and MI6 Confidential Magazine. I'm Bill Koenig. I run a blog called The Spy Command. Uh, And I'm Dr. Lisa Funnel. I'm an associate professor at the University of Oklahoma. I'm the author of The Geographies, Genders, and Geopolitics of James Bond with the amazing Klaus Dodds, as well as the editor of For His Eyes Only, The Women of James Bond. Awesome. So um, MGM and Universal dropped a new trailer today at 12 noon uh, UK time. Um, Some of us should have got up early to watch it, um, (laughs) various places around the globe. So what I wanted... I was sleeping. So let's go around the table with everybody's first opinions on this new trailer. And uh, first up, uh, AJ, would you like to go first? Okay. Um, I thought the ta- trailer that dropped today of No Time Today, uh, hopefully the final trailer, hopefully for a film that's going to open this November 2020, was the final sort of bit of publicity, the cherry on the cake. It was a long, elongated trailer, extending what we've seen before, focusing on various elements, including Safin, played by Rami Malik, and uh, it's put Bond front and centre. This looks like a high-octane, hugely ambitious action film with Carrie Fukunaga not being a afraid to really pump up the action in ways we haven't seen for a long time. There's a bit of CGI, there's a bit of technology, there's a bit of more of Lashana Lynch as a double O agent, uh, some might speculate on what double O, and there's a little bit more of Ana de Armas as a kick-ass uh, Cuban agent, and um, of course Daniel Craig doing his final stint as James Bond, it was very exciting. Um, We've been five years since the last Bond film, and this shows one thing. Absence makes the heart grow bonder. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, <dear>. Nice. <laughs> Nicely done. Well, what do you need the rest of us for? Yeah. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> I've, been doing, I've been doing this all morning, so... <laughs> okay, so I'm not going to try and top that, but... Um, as for, for me, I, I wasn't sure really what to expect, and uh, when when I did see it, I, I was quite quite pleasantly surprised. Uh, it kind of really got me quite excited to to see the film, and uh, there are you know there are some new bits we haven't seen before. There are some uh, longer segments that we we've seen uh, hinted at before. Um, it, the one thing I I, I didn't really like was something related to physics because like um ha- like having bad uh, technology on films bad physics 
uh, really kind of puts me off as well. But uh, uh, and that probably won't bother most people. But um, yeah, it, I think it was it was better than I was expecting it to be, and it certainly uh, got me more excited than I thought I would be. Hmm. Looks like we're three for three on uh, positivity then, if I'm to go next. Uh, I, I absolutely adored it. I think it's really interesting coming to this. It's not very often that films of this nature get postponed for such a time that they have to kind of completely revamp their marketing. And I thought that it was quite interesting coming to it from that perspective and seeing what they emphasize in the trailer. It was a lot of different shots from similar scenes, I guess, but just the, the focus of it felt a bit more uh well i mean I, I feel like we're being sold not only on the film but on like going to cinema in general now it, it really has to persuade people to you know actually put on masks and you know feel safe and go into cinemas to e experience this i think there was a lot more there were a lot more vista shots a lot more of the scale and the spectacle it was a much more action-packed trailer than the first one which felt a bit more soapy i guess uh in about the big reveals and uh, emotional moments and all that kind of stuff. So I I was really, my adrenaline <laughs> has been going ever since I saw it uh, a few hours ago earlier today, and I couldn't be more hyped. So I'm really hoping that we do get this film now in November, because it'd be an awful shame to have to go on another dip on the hype roller coaster uh, if it does get postponed further. Okay. Um, as a guy who is still trying to get his plane tickets refunded uh, to London in April, I was surprised at how excited I got and re-energized I got. Uh, the things that I loved are the, those that Vic Flick-esque guitar right off the bat, the, the, the sort of uh, return, just those, just the echoes of the, of the James Bond theme that I haven't heard in years um, yeah. really made me happy. Uh, that was great. Uh, the humor was surprising to me. They really leaned into a lot of little humor notes and the humor feels correct. I loved, I loved seeing Q with that helmet on saluting. Uh, I loved uh, Bond, <laughs> Bond giving that cheers, giving that salute to uh, Ana de Armas. Uh, there's, there's a lot there to chew on. And, and uh, as I think David said, a lot of it was stuff we'd seen before, but they're playing peekaboo a little bit with it a little bit. They're opening up those moments and letting you see a little bit more of that. And that's, that's smart and tantalizing and, 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 saves us from giving too much away i think uh i'm super stoked and i and i hope i'm comfortable enough to go to a theater in november um i guess it's my turn um yeah following on from what everybody has said uh i think it is a stupendous trailer um and i don't know how much of that is about um having had the the weight and having had very little information um but the first thing that sort of struck me was just um the cinematography and uh, to touch on what, what Calvin was saying as well, you know, that you get all these great Vista shots, but it is a beautiful looking film. Um, the other thing that kind of uh, jumps out at me is that this is, uh, there's a lot more narrative revealed in this trailer. Um, and in a very kind of more linear way, you, you jump from location to location to location uh, rather than kind of cutting back and forth that much. Um, so it feels that it has got a very kind of a linear a journey to this trailer um, and within that more plot points are revealed and also character is revealed as well, which I think is, um, you know, in, important. We haven't really had a lot of that before. We kind of, we're kind of getting more insights into the relationship between Bond and Madeline um, and, and also her relationship with Safin. So that's there. And I think also 
the stakes are really uh, raised in this. Um, yes, in this trailer, and you and, and before you didn't really get a sense of what they were, what they were, you know, what the plot was, what they were fighting for. But in this, you really feel like this is going to be a very big, big mission for him, and it has has much more, much greater consequences than anything else that we've probably seen Bond, Daniel Craig's Bond face before. Uh, actually, let me. I'll uh, follow on that. This is easily the biggest stakes of the Daniel Craig era, because until now with the Craig films, you've had preventing money from going to terrorists, which Bond failed to do. You have water rights. You have a grudge against M. And you have whatever the hell the plot was in Spectre. Um, so we're, we're back to Bond saving the world, or at least a significant portion of it, because uh, you have Nomi talking about he'll kill millions, and then Bond saying something about... If we don't do this, there'll be nothing left to save. So this is easily the biggest uh, stakes in the Craig era, I think. So I I think we're all sort of in, in, in the same camp here about the trailer. So I thought I'd take my comments in a completely different way and talk about my thoughts on the women and the potential that is there. And that's what excited me a lot about this trailer. I love seeing Paloma. Um, out there with her heels and her dress um, and being so dynamic in action. Um, I love the potential for there to be James Bond and, 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 and a woman uh, counterpart on screen, possibly not having a romantic relationship. And so that sort of extends from Daniel Craig and Ana de Armas, uh, um, working together prior to this film. So I'm really excited um, about her, her character. The second thing that I really liked when it came uh, uh, to women had to do with the representation of both Money Penny and Nomi, and I'm interested in seeing them on screen at the same time. I love their sort of uh, uh, conversation about shooting James Bond, and I feel as though that I, I can't confirm it or not, but it really felt as though that would be like a Phoebe Waller Bridge line that we would get. And I think there is something to be said here about having two black women in this film, it is not very common in mainstream film that we get not only black women in, in lead roles, but having multiple black women in lead roles. So I'm very excited to see where the franchise is going to go with it. I'm hoping that we don't take it into a stereotypical place, um, but I think there's a lot of constructive potential. So that really excited me. And then Madeline Swan. I'm not the biggest Madeline Swan fan. Um, I've, I've, I've critiqued her character beforehand, but I think what she brings up and what she raises is is, is a key point that um, this franchise has dealt with in the past. That that uh, uh, partnership or marriage or family this is considered incompatible with with agents, right? That it takes their attention away from, say, complete loyalty to Queen Country and mission. And so I guess I'm just curious as to her role as being sort of the quote-unquote Bond girl coming back into a film. We've never really um, had had gone down this path beforehand. My only sort of fear or concern is that in the past, in the Daniel Craig era, the women that Bond loves the most have to die in order for him to reach his heroic legacy. So Vesper Lynn had to die. Judy Dench had to die. And I'm a little bit concerned that Madeline Swan might not make it to the end of the film. Um, but I will be surprised. And of course, I'll have a lot to say if she does. So I just thought that there was a lot um, about the women and seeing Bond um, have, and I, and I know I think I posted on uh, Instagram, sort of like his squad goals, right? And that he's got Nomi and, and he's going to have Paloma and he's going to have Moneypenny. And of course, Q is there and um, 
Felix Leiter. I just, I like the fact that he has sort of a diverse squad supporting him. And that sort of leads me to connect with all of your comments about how the stakes are raised, that it does take James Bond coming back, but it also takes a really strong support system to help him because the stakes are so high. So I watched this. I was really excited about it and really excited for the constructive potential for women in this franchise. That's awesome, Lisa. And I think we pointed out in the past, um, talking about the crew on a past podcast, that this is the first film since License to Kill where we've had Q, Tanner, Money, Penny, and M all in the same film. Mm. Um, for such stable characters, this is the first time they're all going to be back at the same time mm-hmm. for 30 years. Um, my take on it was similar to kind of a couple of you guys um, about the scale. I think they had a tough job with this trailer because they had to walk the fine line between giving us something fresh but not giving away the whole film right um or giving too much new stuff away i think the way they did that was to expand on certain shots and scenes that they'd already done so it had a fresh look to it but a lot of it was the same um my biggest take on it was um they've pivoted the pitch of the movie away from bond's personal story and tragedy to save the world mm-hmm. um yeah. so i think we're heading more into the kind of like you only live twice um feel of this movie yeah I, I wonder if that's because of the way that uh well the, the whole pandemic and so everything feels different about life at the moment hmm. so what do you guys think about the potential that this is you know craig uh, as he told us in an interview after um skyfall when he said you know we can have some fucking volcanoes or something um <laughs> do is that is that where we're at now with this film yeah well Less that way I, yeah <laughs> I, I I got the kind of volcano lair vibe from some of the shots of, of, of Safin's lair. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, we have gone in that direction, and you know, there, there's also the that glider submarine thing, which is my my physics. Physics. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a it's a, a sleeker version of the flying sub from uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Yeah. Well. The- <laughs> <laughs> when it when it when it hits the when it hits it. the water with its wings folding forwards, uh, it, yeah. I think they would just get ripped off, and the thing would end up on the seabed with them. Uh, <laughs> I'm still quite excited. To, I wondered actually, David, if it was going to be that. There's one shot in the trailer of some kind of gadget, like a missile sort of thing, being thrown into a lift shaft, and it spins yeah. around, and all these different, I'm assuming, explosives fly off of it. And I was just watching that, thinking, oh wow, this is really exciting like the daniel craig era would never normally go near that kind of just really fantastical uh very heightened reality kind of stuff and that's the kind of stuff that gets me really excited well i i was about to say i think you know specter attempted to kind of thread the needle between doing bond personal stuff mm-hmm. and traditional bond stuff like a cold and we'll, we'll we'll get to that with the watch long and you can I don't think they quite made it with Spectre. So it looks to me like they're trying again. This trailer emphasized action, emphasized spectacle, spectacle emphasized scale. But I think we're also going to have uh, a lot of angst along the way. Well, so, what do you uh, think about that, AJ? 
One of the great things about a trailer is it, it, it's actually a real specialist job. And this trailer that we see, whether we like it or not, has cost millions of dollars. Trailers get made separately by different companies and are, are made almost parallel to the movie and previsd. And this has been this trailer has spent years and years, uh, sorry, months and months in the making. So this is the those people who don't like spoilers who don't watch trailers know that this is a very specifically crafted piece of work by specialist trailer house. And um, this every cut and every sort of thing they show is very deliberately thought of. And it has a stylistic element that probably won't be in the film. As we as we know, lots of scenes appear in trailers that don't actually appear in the finished film. So this is as much the art of the trailer as the art of the James Bond film. But it's much more than this. In this current time, this is to say to everyone, go and see it at the cinema. Get back into the world. Save cinema save James Bond, and I think everyone should go and do it. It's been deemed safe by governments around the world. I think it's fine, and I think that's what we all, every Bond fan, if they believe in Bond, if they believe in the art of cinema, in the art of all those creative people doing their bit for the industry, needs to go and see this at cinemas in November 2020 around the world. And that's my take home from this trailer. I loved watching it. It's very exciting, but it also gave me a real buzz being in this cinema. I saw it in IMAX watching Tenant, and it got me. Uh, sorry, I saw I saw the trailer for the Bond film and IMAX. Um, a few days ago watching Tenet and that got me hopped up for this and I want to see this trailer in the cinema but at the moment we can only see it at home but I, I think that's the big take home go to the cinema and revive revive theatre the theatre theatrical experience um, can I just uh, I'll, I'll follow on to, uh, from what AJ was saying about the art of trailer making um, and his last comments I'll kind of come to in a second Um yeah, I, I so I my job at one stage was to actually write trailers. So um, it's absolutely true what um, AJ has been saying. It's um, it, it is a craft. It does take um, quite a lot to do it. Um, believe it or not, you go through uh, several writers will be actually involved in it, and there'll be like twenty or thirty kind of iterations of like how how to proceed with it. Um, so there is a lot that goes goes into into this construction um so you know that's looking at it from a from a trailer writer's point of view um there are a lot of things that they do in there um that are quite revealing um and quite quite perhaps quite different from what you might expect a, a trailer of this this sort to do um just to follow on from from aj's sort of final comments on that um i i personally if I think, you know, obviously I'd be very excited to go to, to the premiere and to, to see it if it was to be released in November, but I probably won't um, just because uh, my feeling is that, um, you know, there is a lot of risks still involved. So um, I'll just I'll just say that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there, Ben. Uh, I'm not planning on going to the premiere at all. And uh, I doubt I'll see it in the cinema because uh, I, I, I think there's a, a strong... Uh, probability that it, it won't uh, see a wide wide release in in November. Uh, I just uh, I think yeah. the the uh, risk of things kicking off again are are still there, and uh, and, and until uh, until there's a vaccine, that isn't going to change. 
Well, how would you folks reconcile that with uh, some of the earlier uh, thoughts that Eon would sit on it until it was able to be released widely? Well, I personally, I, I think that they are hoping that uh, things will go their way and they'll be able to release it. But uh, I, I just don't think that's necessarily going to happen. I, I, well, I, uh, necessarily, I think there's a good chance it won't happen. Uh, I'll say that I think my guess, and it's only a guess, is the thinking is there are enough places in the international market where the virus is more or less under control. They can get by. I think they've been encouraged by what tenants done so far. And I think they're not to write off the U.S., but I think they're probably willing to take a haircut, you know, less from the U.S. than they would have without the pandemic. But uh, yeah, and and I'll be honest, when talking about the U.S., I don't think we have it under control, no. and that gives me uh, that gives me pause. Well, talk, talking about control, uh, they had it under control in Spain, and they opened up for the tourist season, and it's way out of control again. So it, the, the the risks of of it reemerging are are, mm-hmm. are vast. And as somebody who lives in Oklahoma, feel free to Google Oklahoma and the coronavirus. We do not have this under control. And I can only sort of speak on sort of personal terms. I know I really haven't shared this with the world, but I have a blood clotting condition. And so for me, the risk of teaching on campus, the risk of going to a movie theater, it could be life or death for me. And that's because I'm aware of my pre-existing condition. And I'm sure my condition is more common. Um, and there are a lot of people who don't know that they have it. Um, so I just, I, I hope people will just be uh, careful and conscious about their surroundings. I know that there's a lot of pull for this film. I hope that in the United States that they offer us maybe a digital option of, of, of renting it through some means, uh, because I would love to participate in these conversations. And I think the U.S. is a huge market, but there there might be something that they can do based on our current situation where we can still, in a sense, contribute to the film, you know, our ticket sales, quote unquote, right, to watch the movie for a shortened period of time um, and, and, and consider that to be maybe some sort of box office revenue. Um, but it's a way for us to still be able to be safe. And, and I always advocate for safety, not just for myself, but for everybody else uh, around me. So for me, it's not an option to go to a cinema, no matter how much I actually want to go. And by the way, just just as an indicator that, you know, COVID you know, remains with us, uh, the movie The Batman has shut down because Robert Pattinson has tested positive for oh, COVID-19. Wow. Oh, no. This, this, ha- this happened in the, or stories went out about it, well. Just now. In the last hour, yeah. <laughs> okay, I, yeah, I hadn't seen that. <laughs> so what what do we think um would be the uh the the trigger for pulling it again because um i know we were talking about it during the week guys but i i was thinking the way that the uk is trending right now and we, by the way we're 70 days out right so mm-hmm. a lot can happen in 70 days and basically a lot happened in two weeks back in march didn't it so mm-hmm. for me i can imagine i can foresee a situation where somewhere like the uk bonds home territory maybe closing cinemas again in November, would they proceed with a worldwide release with its home box office being closed? Um, and what damage would that do to the fan base and the franchise if that was the decision that was made? 
Um, I think they're willing to write off LA and New York in the States because Governor Cuomo said New York State's not having cinemas back because he says, quote, they're not worth it. Mm-hmm. And LA is not trending anywhere close to getting um, opened again. But the country no. as a whole is kind of a mixed bag. But the, the problem with the problem, the thing about countries like the UK, Spain, Italy and stuff is they, they do these nationwide rules. Um, so all cinemas closed, right? Um, and, yeah. It, it, oh, it, how many dominoes have to fall between now and the release for them to say, oh, shit, we're going to have to delay it again? Or are they just going to push ahead anyway and write it off? Because this is the second time they've tried. Yeah. Well, God, I don't know. I, you know what? I think they might push ahead anyway, if only because it's uncertain whether things are going to be that much better June of next year. You know, pick a date. Like, will will it be that much better next year? No, I I think that's certainly right. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I I I kind of feel a little bit. I I'm not gonna like lie. I I I have been pretty upset by the forcefulness of which you know tenant has been pushed out into theaters and um i feel like i understand the reasonings behind it um but i also feel that uh that it that that it is kind of it has some it has definitely soured me against uh you know christopher nolan and i think that should the should bond proceed in november um uh, it will it will sour me a great deal towards um, towards Bond and and, and, the, and the franchise as a whole. I won't take it personally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of people worked on it. It's uh, you know they need to get their work seen. It's I mean I I I I don't think film releasing is obviously it's not a completely altruistic thing, and I I would be surprised if any one person sort of you had the ability to stand up and say let's not release it here because of potential health risks uh obviously that you know is a consideration um yeah i don't know i mean i i saw tenet over uh, over the last couple of days i went at 10 30 a.m on a wednesday morning up north in leeds so i don't think it's a very representative view of how uh, a lot of people will be experiencing cinemas uh it was great it was really well spaced out Everyone was wearing a mask that I saw, uh, sanitizers everywhere. It was a very positive experience for me. So if if I can replicate that for Bond, then I would totally be there, uh, no doubt about it. But then I understand also that I am speaking from a position of privilege here, having no sort of known outstanding medical conditions and that kind of thing. I would assume that there would be some have to be some kind of hybrid release if uh, if they did push ahead uh just back to james's question about sort of souring it with fans i haven't really been one to subscribe to i know a lot of people have sort of uh complained about oh how would you get the momentum going again after the first uh delay and and that was never really a a, a consideration for me i think i mean just yeah put out new trailers put out a release date and i think people will go i don't think that anyone who was likely to see it back in april wouldn't be in November, unless for COVID-related, health-related reasons. I don't think they're going to be put off seeing the film forever. Um, However, if they are to do that a second time, I think that would probably damage a lot of... uh, Goodwill, perhaps, isn't the right word, but... uh, Sorry, Phil. Oh, no, please. I just wanted to, before you got away from it, uh, on the other hand, Nolan kicked his release down the road two weeks over and over and over. Mm. I mean, they get some credit for at least 
putting it so far out that it seemed reasonable at the time, but I, I don't know that again, yeah. like the momentum, the momentum is the momentum. And, and you saw what one trailer could do today. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just looking at the box office figures for Spain for Tenet at the moment. Um, anyone want to guess? Because it, it opened, it opened last week. I think the same day. Well, you'd, you'd you'd have to give us a point of reference to yeah, like need a metric. opening openings last year. Because I don't know what the box office typically would be for Spain. No, no. I, j- j- just take a guess anyway. Well, well, the total international <laughs> two, was fifty-three million. million. So right. 125, 125 people went to see it, and they took eight hundred and twelve euros at the box office total in Spain. Oh, wow! You know, so who sees that? Who sees that and says, "Let's open No Time to Die"? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe what they could do is, you know, uh, Tom Cruise showed up in one of the first showings of Tenet wearing a mask. Maybe he could show up for one of the first showings of No Time to Die and applaud. <laughs> Yay! I get to see a movie in the theater again. Yay! He's taking notes for Mission Impossible Ten. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, look. I mean, I do think there is something to be said about like I, I posted about sort of being conflicted about whether to go to the cinemas uh, last week. Uh, a big part of that is the fact that if the cinemas do close, a lot of people lose jobs, and that's obviously not a great thing. And again, I know that I'm speaking from a great position of privilege here. I can do my office job from home. My you know job is not in any immediate threat from this, but people could lose livelihoods. And I think it is there. There is some kind of balance that has to be lives, found. Lives as well as livelihoods. I think that's um, the yeah, the exactly. Down. Yeah, you know, but again, uh, like I say, from my position of privilege here, from my you know nice office job where I can you know sit in my flat and you know say that you know make these statements that isn't gonna come as a great load of comfort to people who are getting kicked out because they can't pay the rent because they've not got jobs anymore like i think it's well you know we spend a lot of money on uh, certain things like defense and the like um oh i completely agree yeah you know there's there is uh, we could tax starbucks for example or we could we could tax uh, amazon and actually make them pay the money that they're supposed to be paying into the country and utilize that for emergencies like this rather than giving them big tax breaks and allowing them to be offshore. Um, I completely agree, uh, but again, try telling that to the people who are getting kicked out yeah. from their rented accommodation in a few months. Like it's, well, yeah, I, I, no, I, I mean, I'm in agreement with you. I just, I, I guess what I'm saying is it's, it, it's unfortunate that this is the response that the people are taking. It's like, no, we need to get people back into theaters. No, we need to get things reopened to get the economy working again. Um, when actually, you know, there, 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 there should be money to spend on this. There is money to spend on this. The government just needs to, you know, um, well, and it, and it should be noted that right. theaters that are reopening are doing so with new protocols. New Jersey is, uh, I think they're reopening this weekend, and I believe they're going to be limited to like 25% capacity. Um and there are other steps they've taken. So it, so it's, you know, the theaters that are attempting to reopen, they are trying to address these concerns. I'm just pointing that out, you know, just for the sake of fairness. But. So uh, if you dropped a, uh, an M&M on the floor of your movie theater, would you pick it up and eat it? No. <laughs> no, right. So that's how clean movie theaters are. So let's not, <laughs> let's not pretend that they're sanitizing them properly. There's some real dystopian <laughs> videos out there of the theater chain showing how they're fogging them down with antiseptic whatever, and yeah. it's terrifying looking. And as a New Jersey <laughs> resident, I'm here to tell you I won't be going next week. Right. <laughs> so other news, we had a new poster this week. 
Um, mm. Or was it new? I don't know. <laughs> Looks strikingly familiar. Um, I, I was kind of thinking to myself that maybe uh, was know, the, design, the, the design agency was sitting on a conference call and they heard Barbara Broccoli say flat white and major new poster. <laughs> and she, was put, she was actually putting her coffee order in. Yes. <laughs> but um, what did everybody think of it? Well, uninspired, like all the all the recent posters. I, I mean, you know, I understand that we don't live in the 1960s anymore. Uh, I've kind of noticed that, but uh, I, I, I just I would love to to have a poster mm-hmm. like the the early Bonds. Yes, these have been bad pretty much since 2006. Yep. Yeah, I like the teaser for Casino Royale, the moody shot of him at the at the poker table. But yes. beyond that, beyond that, they've been really disappointing. The international one sheet of Vesper on the Steps, um, which was kind of like a photo painting kind of touched up yeah. thing, was mm. I think the last one that was decent. It it looks like they got Carter, the work experience boy from Casino <laughs> Royale. Uh, they said, look, you can't be a field agent anymore, but you can do the posters. For, for all of the bonds going forward. Um, and it just, it genuinely looks like the T-boy has done it. Um, when you consider how, uh, how rich the fan art is that mm-hmm. exists out there, and we've all, you know, we've all seen some really very good examples of that. And I'm sure some of us even have some of that on our walls. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, <laughs> you know, it is of a higher standard. Um, and it, and it marries some of these modern sensibilities with some of the, the aesthetics and the ideas of, of kind of the, the, the bygone era of film posters. Um, and I personally would have preferred to see something like that other than, you know, Daniel Craig looks like somebody's just kind of called him off camera um, <laughs> or, or that he's like sl- maybe slipping on a banana skin or something. It's, I think he's second guessing that November at the bottom of the poster. <laughs> <laughs> You're skeptical looking on that post. It doesn't say which year though, does it? Correct, correct. But you raise a really good point about like even my big issue, uh, there's a lot of issues with this poster, but like what is Bond doing? Like typically in my mind, a Bond poster, Bond is either posing Bondesquely, so that means that there's going to be like a gun in his hand staring at the camera or he's going to be doing something action oriented. And I know Skyfall, it's got sort of the picture of Bond shooting and it's got the 007 and it's sort of elongated. Like I can dig that. I can dig minimalistic posters as long as they look Bond-like. Here, Daniel Craig, I don't know what he's doing. He doesn't look like he's in either camp. He kind of looks confused. And uh, this is kind of funny, but like my Instagram feed was everybody posted this 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 picture, right? I didn't even get the 007 in the background. Like I was like, what is this? I kept scrolling like really quickly, trying to create like sort of like a picture show for myself <laughs> to see like maybe there's a hidden message if I like look at all these pictures in quick su- succession. Like, like I just... Yeah, like a flip book. I like I just kept flipping. I'm like, maybe this will make sense if I look at it quickly. But to me, it was very underwhelming. And and I think like Ben said, I have seen better fan art um, about, you know, all of the Bond films, including No Time to Die, than this particular image. And I, I, I'm very happy with the trailer. I think the trailer sort of knocked it out of the park because I was a bit worried with the, with the poster. And I know posters are not a reflection of the quality of the film, but like, get me excited with a poster. That would be great. I I know somebody who was uh, excited about it and that's uh, Greg Williams. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, he, he, he was. He said he was very proud of his poster. <laughs> I kind of liked it again, and I don't know if that's just because uh, we've been in this massive drought for so long, and it was finally something new. I thought it was interesting that they seem to have done away with the whole uh, blue wall color thing from the yeah. which has been present in every poster i think uh and now we have the no time to die in this sort of gold uh color i just thought that was interesting from a marketing perspective i don't know whether they did some testing or looked at some research and gold resonates more with people towards the end of the year or uh or what i'd be curious every, everyone's feeling blue enough as it is well, maybe, yeah, and the gold is more of a, a powerful statement. Uh, but also but I just, gold I is like the typical, like when I think of Bond colors, it's black, mm. white, and gold. Like mm. that to me, and, and if you look at, you know, some of the more recent art, like the James Bond 50-year poster of the Golden Woman, you know, it's black, white, and gold. And so to me, I actually saw your comment and I thought, yeah, like it might be a return to sort of a more classical color palette, which I'm cool with. I just mm. didn't understand and either the image of Bond and I didn't fully get the 007. Maybe this is, there's a larger picture that we're not seeing, but I do like your point about the return of the gold because I think that is classic Bond. And I thought on, that was a really good observation. On Twitter, uh, James posted uh, images from a, a Skyfall poster of Craig and this new one. And he asked, which which is better? One, two, like, like Die Doctor. <laughs> and I replied, I said, I'll take two because his haircut is better than that buzz cut he had in Skyfall. And <laughs> I like the classic black tuxedo rather than that blue thing he was wearing in Skyfall. So, you know, I mean, I, when, when it comes to modern movie posters of any movie, I, I have low expectations anyway. So I was not, I was not offended the way some people were. Uh, it's like, they had to do something different to just, you know, so yeah, to me, it was I just, I don't think anybody was offended per se. I think it was more of, um, you've had oh. six months. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I, I saw some comments on Facebook. There were people who were offended. There were, well, there were, there were some national teeth. The other thing is they, they didn't, when they launched the initial poster campaign, they didn't do just one design. They were probably sitting on 50 variants, right. Or different concepts. It doesn't look like they've, they went back into that pile and pulled something out. This seems like a very deliberate decision to kind of rebrand it as Lisa and Calvin, you say in the classic bond scheme um, with a shot that wasn't used. Um, somebody suggested it was probably from his gun barrel um, shoot, which makes sense um, wearing mm. that outfit. But um, yeah. And the other thing of note is everybody says, why have they zoomed really close into the 007 logo? I was like, Hmm. I, There's a I, reason for that. <laughs> yeah. Right? But they needed to have the hint of it, but not, not make it too yeah. obvious. Except though they have moment. 007 down by the title. And right. <laughs> well, they, that. that's been a thing since the Barbara Broccoli era, that the 007 right. logo's in every film title treatment. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of missing the brown and teal. It was an interesting, bold choice. But <laughs> the other point, I think, Kevin, you mentioned it, switching to winter instead of the spring release. It makes more sense to go with that kind of festive gold. Mm. Um, yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah. So is no, is no, is no time to die a Christmas movie? That's the question. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and instead of like the walking stick, of like a candy cane. Um, <laughs> um, um, maybe just a maybe just a big big white beard. That, could, that, that would that would work for me. 
Oh, re returning to the the trailer a, a moment. I, me I meant to mention this earlier, but uh, did did they do any um, shooting in Cuba at all? I no, so. I, no. I, I, I didn't. I didn't think so because um, there's the, there's that shot of this seaplane uh, flying towards well, t towards a river. That is Santiago in Cuba. Ah. Yes. So yeah. I, I guess it's uh, CGI then. No, well they filmed that in Jamaica and then fixed it. No, know, no. Well, it, it it's like it's spot on. It, it is uh, Santiago. Right. Yeah, it'll be yeah. like a. It'll be but that like was a plate. that was shot in Jamaica. Yeah, it'll be um, it'll be like a CGI plate or something. They, they will have yeah. fixed it. Yeah. Um, one more one more notice about the trailer, and maybe it's just a side effect of them, as you folks said, leaning into the the IMAX friendly bits or the spectacle friendly bits. But Blofeld has been pretty much scuttled to the background. Like, who who gives a shit at this point? Like he <laughs> he he's he's like box checked maybe, but. The idea that he's back is just nothing in this trailer, which I found interesting. Um, can I can I can I respond to that? Phil? Yeah. Um, I seem to feel like looking watching the trailer that there are some narrative pointers that kind of make it look like he is either being and this is not a spoiler or anything. This is literally just my interpretation of the, of the, the trailer mm -hmm. to make it seem like. Um, he's either going to be rescued from that incarceration or or murdered, um, because it seems to me that the guys that are coming into that building. So I think you know I, I think there there is more of a there is more focus on Blofeld than you might necessarily realise. It's just that maybe he's not front and centre, but he is a driving force. They are. Sure. Going, I think you're saying it's Chekhov's Blofeld in this film. <laughs> Because they can't use him in the first act to set up the reason why Safin's a threat to both of them and then not return to him. Yeah. Right. So I think, you know, so they do, I think they go, they go back for him. Um, I think it, I think it's either an assassination or, or a rescue. It's hard to, to, to really know. Um, but that, that does seem to me that he, he plays a bigger part in the, in the film than just, you know, I, hope, the, I hope that he does. It just seemed interesting that the marketing was sort of done with that surprise and and just wasn't going to give you even so much as a close-up of Christoph Waltz's face. It was such a yeah. big deal back when he was cast as Blofeld, the excitement and the anticipation of that. And it seems like they finally made, on the marketing end at least, made peace with the fact that, that it was a, a bit of a, a missed opportunity. Well, the original teaser, which was never released, was really focused on the return of Blofeld, right. not so much on and Saturn. It even had more some heft to it in the in the previous trailer. But they're just sort of yeah. uh, realize that no one's really invested in that character. Well, well it's also been five years for general yeah. audiences. Yeah, you know. Well, as 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 AJ pointed out earlier, you know, they when they when the trailers go out to other production houses to be made, they will have a brief. So you will have a brief about what is to be featured in them. So there is a right. very definite, um, in terms of scripting. You know, if you put if you focus too much on Blofeld, they will they will say no, they don't want to do that. So that is actually a it's a very much a, a planned decision to do that. Did, um, what did everybody think of Remy Malik's accent? Now that he's got some more dialogue in the trailer, I thought, really? what is that accent? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't didn't he have a, a voice coach? Or did I read that recently that he had a voice yeah. coach to develop a, a, dis a distinctive? accent but uh, mm -hmm. uh, to be honest I, I didn't really notice it 
but maybe it's because I'm so used to to hearing uh, non-British accents uh, speaking English and or, or not English as well. I'm but, uh, v- vaguely foreign man accent. I'm I'm worried it sounds a bit silly. <laughs> it reminds me of the conversation we had about Barbara Bach and her yeah. accent. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. That that was sort of what I was sort of thinking when I. I mean, we get her dress with. Um, Paloma, so maybe we get her accent. <laughs> so, <laughs> one, of, one of the things that I find really annoying is, is like, and we've talked about this on uh, in other podcasts, is like where they uh, like the, make a villainous uh, aspect of somebody, like a deformity or an accent. Oh, so they're basically yes. saying, "Oh, this is a generically foreign person, so therefore they are evil." Um, you know, it, and he has scarring as well. So it's mm-hmm. kind of, it ties into this whole kind of, and it's one of the things I don't particularly like about um, modern Bond films um, is that in, in an era where we should really know better, we're kind of going, yes, he's got a, the generic kind of, you know, I don't even know what accent he's really doing there, but like, <laughs> it's definitely kind of well, Johnny. Or- it's Johnny Foreigner in some way, right? right. Yeah, that's and- that's what I that's what I said about you know gene- you know generic foreign guy accent. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but like exactly, Phil. But it's like it's it's like it's saying generally foreign people are bad and scarred people are bad. And I think it's kind of like a it, it plays into that. Well, that's um, that's or- Fleming one hundred and one though. <laughs> it is, it yeah, is. And, and, but like well, you know, that's that's like so you, if you say Fleming one hundred and one, you can easily say, well, Bond smokes all the time and takes pens and, and, and so is the whole my enemy's enemy is my friend pitch, which is the hmm. blowfield angle on this. Thing. Right, and also they may they may not have wanted to pin it down to a specific um, accent for fear of you know for fear of offending a specific nationality. I mean, you know, nobody complains about this, at least not much, about how like in science fiction film the uh, aliens all have british accents like you know krypton all, all, all the krypton people have british accents the face hugger in aliens has a british accent um i did i did like the um uh, the the talking about going back to fleming and fleming 101 i did like the fact that you know we get that line from felix um you know about you know good guys and bad guys and not being able to tell who was who um but that seemed particularly uh, Fleming-esque. So. But it's also a riff on M's speech in Skyfall, though, isn't it? Yeah. But um, but again, it's kind of like, I, you know, I get the feeling that that was kind of maybe a Purvis and Wade kind of mm. contribution of, like, uh, making sure that any any Fleming material that they hadn't kind of scraped was going to be <laughs> uh, grafted onto this. Well, that makes it three times, because it's also in Quantum, with yeah. the, when you can't tell your enemies from your friends, it's time to go. I mean, so it's three times they've used that angle yeah yeah i just it felt it felt almost ago it felt (laughs) almost um (laughs) it shows up a couple times in quantum (laughs) we should only do business with good guys right that's true (laughs) but it's but it's also kind of like it's more that the actual dialogue is you know specifically fleming yeah Um, from the end of casino royale right Exactly. So, you know, to, to, which was, was also kind of worked in with Mathis um, yeah. in, in Quantum. Yeah. It's like they've split that, um, that split that dialogue and given it to two different people. But it's quite nice to have, have the rest of that dialogue in the trailer from, uh, from Lighter. 
Yeah, well, well one of the um, things uh, about, about the trailer, one, one of the things that we, we've seen in virtually all the trailers, I think, is that bit on the bridge when he jumps mm -hmm. over the side. I'd love it if that's not actually in the movie. <laughs> that would be perverse. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the marketing campaign for Quantum, where we had that falling through the glass roof of again, you know, in the in the yeah. from the first sequence in every single TV spot and every single trailer it was the same stunt. Yeah, and they um, and the and the this, the way that they changed the falling off the building for uh, Skyfall, you know, with um, yeah. you know that slow mo thing that looked so beautiful and kind of like was a second in the movie. Yeah, I, I think that we have seen quite a, a substantial amount of, of, of stunts and action. Um, but I think, you know, I, I, I think it's about context as well, you know, and I think, you know, when we, when we fit it into the context of, of, the, of the story, it's going to have more kind of impact. And I think there's probably also going to be lots of stuff that, you know, we've, we've seen very little from, the climax of the film, for example, you know, we've seen the infiltration oh. of the base, but we're not seeing. You're of... assuming the infiltration of the base is the climax of the film. I am making that assumption. Yeah. Um, and I'm making that assumption based quite a lot on the fact that, um, you know, they're giving us a linear na uh, narrative kind of in, um, um, in, in the way that they're kind of putting, putting the locations into this trailer in a very much a kind of like it's, you know, here we are in Italy, here we are in London, here we are in Cuba. Here we are at the submarine base. It all seems very kind of like, you know, chop, chop, chop. And, um, you know, so so that's kind of why I suppose it's it feels like that's, that is the, the conclusion. But it might not be. Mm. Might not be. Um, they could just be going for lunch somewhere. <laughs> um, somewhere nice, you know. I think, they, we've they, seen, uh, I think we've seen most of Anna de Armas. Yeah, I think that's that's true. So, you know, if you if you cut all of her clips from the trailers together, that's probably it. That's probably her. Yeah, that's all her done. And apart from her, her death scene, <laughs> um, there is that moment, you know, when he's uh, center and there's a spotlight on him uh, in that in that Cuba scene. If you if you look at the wide shot and freeze it, she is on the very very outer rim of that crowd, and it looks like she yeah. and he spins, and it's almost like. You're, you're invited, I think, if you're do, doing the frame by frame to speculate if she somehow has set him up for something. But we, you know, oh, always a fun thing to guess. About. Somebody on Twitter put it up as a frame by frame against Never Say Never against Tango. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I take back what I said then. With the, floor, with the, uh, the detail in the floor, we, we should do a, fra a frame by frame watch along of the trailer. Coming back to something that Lisa said earlier, which is about you know um, whether we get to to see Madeline survive this. Um, there obviously there's the shot of Madeline and uh, you know Safin, um, whatever his name is, <laughs> um, in the in her apartment. I'm mean, only assuming it's her place in London. Um, that kind of leads to feel like you know, that perhaps that she doesn't make it through. That's my kind of feeling on that. I could be wrong. Yep. Can um, be very wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be, I'll be contrarian and predict that uh, she'll be alive at the end of the movie. Well, yeah, so I, I, I would prefer that. I think there are a level of self-awareness now. Well, actually, no, looking at Safin, maybe not. Uh, but I, <laughs> One yeah. thing at a time. 
Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the question the, the question will be: Will Craig Bond be alive at the end of the movie? Mm, mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be the oddest thing, though? After all the publicity and the hype in the movie and everything we've been running up to, if Rami Malek's performance is actually the weak thing in this film? Mm-hmm. Oh God! Well, there's precedent going back to oh, I don't know, Spectre. I can't think who you're thinking of there, Bill. <laughs> oh right, my god, Bill. that's very funny. <laughs> but I'm I'm just nervous for it based on the scenes we've seen with the clips we've seen of Rami Malek's performance. I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous for it. I'm getting a Phantom of the Opera vibe from him. Um, but like, well, I, that's I, what yeah. Pierce Brosnan said on his Twitter commentary today. <laughs> you know what? Pierce Brosnan and I are definitely on the same wavelength where I'm just like, I, why? Well, I, uh, I, I, yeah. I got lots to say about scarification. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd and- Webber involved? Oh, that's very strange. <laughs> strange times we live in. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that there's, yeah. I, I can't wait to see the movie just to sort of see where things fall, but... I I just want to know what happens in these meetings, right? So, like, Inspector, they were like, yeah, and Blofeld turns out to be his foster brother. And they're they're like, (laughs) oh, like in Austin Powers. And they're like, yeah, let's do that. Uh, And then this one, they're like, so I've designed this mask and it's going to be cracked and you're going to see half of his face. What, like Phantom of the Opera? Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) And it just seems like a really weird thing that, like, at a certain point, somebody wouldn't, like pipe up at the back and just go. Yeah, I know. It's like the, yeah, there's a yeah. there's a room full of yes, uh, yes people. I guess is the politically yeah, correct. The, the people that the people that do pipe up from the back no longer work on the film. Yeah, we're upon the ones who say yes, boss. That's a great idea. Are still yes. still. I, I was pleased to see yeah. Dangerous Incident One and Dangerous Incident Two both make it into the trailer from the DB Five Chase uh, as, as scripted. <laughs> So, yeah, to your to, to point better about people not speaking up. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say, boss. That's a great idea, boss. I just, yeah, I just sort of feel like it, it would, I, I wouldn't put a villain with a, a white half-cracked face mask on. Uh, yeah. Having yeah. seen Phantom of the Opera, I just think it seems That's like right. a bit ludicrous, yeah. but there we go. Andrew, Andrew Lloyd Webber, by way of Lon Chaney. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do have to say. He's on TikTok um, now. Lon Chaney? Oh, I was bearing the lead. <laughs> um, I, do have to, I, I think the, the production design of, you know, Saturn's face just looks um, looks like everything I want it to be. Um, you know, that, that shot of them with a big circular kind of pool in the center, um, that, looks, that looks just stunning. Very Ken Adam-esque, but... Um, but also kind of modern as well. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this in terms of production design and just cinematography as well. Uh, mm. I think it just, uh, look, it does look like a beautiful looking movie. Um, and that I think will, will kind of say a lot of maybe where we're not sure about performances and things. I think I, I wonder how front and center, uh, you know, coming to, to um, Phil's point about, Blofeld not being particularly that front and centre, but I wonder how much we'll even see of, of, of Satin, really. Um, as you know, as the hardcore fans go, um, the story really doesn't matter, does it? Because we all know them inside out, backwards. Mm-hmm. It's it's the other elements, right? It's the soundtrack, it's the looking for the production design, the cinematography. That's what keeps us coming back to rewatch these movies, not the stories. Because I know. think this, 
you know, I made the, I'd look when I saw um, Spectre in, in, in the theater, I thought, you know, that first sequence, the, the long uh, uncut shot was just beautiful. I thought it was like, you know, it kind of led me into kind of feeling like this is going to be an amazing film. I will say that the well, I read you know, the review and it was an amazing. Film. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> well, the, the cinematography was 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 really yellow. great, and I think that that yellow and it kind of yeah it was, <laughs> but it kind of really. I think I think that kind of like really really threw me in the sense that I was just so involved in it, looking like a, a, a chocolate advert that um, you know I forgot that it wasn't actually a very good film, um, right. and you know I was kind of buoyed by the the beauty of it um but it but it, at the end of the day it's a fragrance commercial or a chop you know it's like a galaxy advert and yeah. i think that you know i'm hoping that what what we'll see with this film is is the same kind of level of kind of cinematography and, and design but just with a better narrative and better character kind of development and resolution mm. I, I can see it. I can see it surpassing Skyfall for cinematography, and I say that as a Whoa. lover of Roger Deakins's work. Whoa. I think, from what we've seen in the trailer so far, I think it might top Maybe. it. And are we going to talk about the Italian and Spanish trailers? Yeah, we should, shouldn't we, for a couple of minutes? Mm. Um, real quick, though, is there more than yeah. just the one detail? No. Okay. No. no. I'll hang around. So switch off if you don't want to hear this. Yeah, so we're going to tread into something which has been widely reported, but never confirmed, but now it's confirmed. Um, so if you want to bow out, um, we'll, we'll see you next time. But uh, for those sticking around, um, David, do you want to pick up the thread? Uh, really, it's Bill's story. Uh, I, I got it from, from Bill. So uh, if you want to go, Bill. Um I, I had just posted my uh, my story about the trailer, and then I got an instant message and said, uh, "Hey, check out this uh, uh, Italian tra- trailer. Sounds anyway. The the dialogue is slightly different. It's in the in the English trailer. It's where he's on the phone, where he's talking about I met your double O, and uh, in the corresponding shot in the Italian trailer trailer yeah, trailer says." It translates to the new 007, 007. Uh, and then, so then I updated my post almost immediately, and then I got word, oh, <laughs> I, I got it from David about, yeah. oh, yeah, I, Spanish I, trailer I, 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 as yeah. well. I, I, went, I went and looked at the, the Spanish trailer, and it, it's exactly the same. It's clear that they, they've, they've cut the dialogue before he says seven in, in the English version. Yeah, it's just a fraction of a, a second. Hmm. And this goes back to something that uh, I'd have to look up the date, but the tabloids, the English tabloids talked about this months and months ago. And yeah. then that, Turing, right. And then that caused, uh, oh, oh, oh seven. Go, go woke, <laughs> you know, go woke, you Boycotts. go broke, blah, blah, Boycotts. blah. But no, we, want- we'd actually talked about it on the podcast before that though, hadn't we? Hypothetically though. Yeah. But yeah, well, hypothetically, but we, we'd, we'd kind of uh, guessed that's what they were going to do. Yeah. In my endless Twitter thread, I, I, I'd said, if you didn't want us to guess she was, she was going to be 007, you shouldn't have put her in a safari jacket. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's a nice Tom Ford safari jacket she's got on there. And it confirmed yeah. it that day for me. <laughs> well, and especially then when, um, 
Oh, both uh, Lashana Lynch and Ana de Armas were featured in the Hollywood Reporter in this lengthy story, mm-hmm. and they were being very coy about it. It's like so when they're being coy, you know. that that tends to be well, almost a confirmation. For me, it's, for me, it's down there with um, Naomi Harris saying she's not Money Penny, and uh, except uh, for the yes. oops, oops in the Daily Mail where she said she was, and then. Um, you know, Christoph Waltz, no, I'm playing Franz Oberhaus. I don't know what you, who's Blofeld? I don't know who you possibly talking about. Um, which David Williams then spoiled on the premiere. Um, and not been invited back. Um, so it's kind of, the, the fact that they didn't want to talk about it just confirms it. Mm. Yeah. But now I, I can't imagine um, that Universal are having a friendly, polite conversation with their compadres in Spain and Italy. Um about not chopping that word out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it, it's it's more it's more difficult to uh, to to do in in Italian and Spanish. I think. Uh, it, yeah, I, I I was thinking about this, and I, I I think it would have been rather difficult just to chop it. But so why put it in the trailer? Yeah, I, I, I if know. you can't cut it out of the foreign language versions. Yeah, yeah. But you don't want to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's. Uh, so I have a question. Will will the 007 not be next to his name in the opening credits? You know, the way it always says traditionally. Mm-hmm. Right. I've wondered well, I think that that's why they, they cropped the logo on the poster too. Ah. So now that this is kind of confirmed, as good as confirmed, um, how do you think this is going to go down in certain segments? Predictably, yeah, very predictably. Yeah, predictably. That's a good word. Yeah, yeah I, I, you know, we we all know that um, certain sections of the fan base have issues with uh, women and um, women of color. So, yeah, yeah, I can't wait for uh, for all of that to come out. Well, I think we'll see some YouTube videos. And I'm not even talking about Bond YouTubers. I'm talking about more general ones who, when th- when that first came out, well, they were filming. Some of those guys were getting on the bandwagon about how woke this was, blah, blah, et cetera, et cetera. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a new wave of those. Yeah. Um, again, these are kind of general interest. I mean, they're not Bond YouTubers specifically if we're lucky those same people will be too busy screaming that uh we're sheep for wearing masks and they've their <laughs> yeah. attention has now been diverted to a, a bigger issue for them i think it's exciting i think i think and if i've talked about this to you guys before please stop me but when i when i picked up um the dark knight returns the trade paperback back in the 80s alan moore wrote this great forward for it where he talks about what all legends need is an ending and hmm. uh, and he talks about Robin Hood and, and all this other stuff. Um, and it's and King Arthur, obviously, and Bond has never had an, a finale. And, you know, even even if you map it even closely to that story, it starts with Bruce Wayne in retirement, no longer carrying the mantle of the Batman and, and, and what brings him back. And I think that, you know, if, if we're talking about how we don't go for story because we've heard all the Bond stories before, well, maybe we haven't if, if they've got a, a Bond conclusion set up for us so that kind of stuff is what boy buoys me and it keeps me hopeful about the whole thing yeah um so quickly around the houses um scale of one to ten how invigorated excited are you um about the november release based on this trailer this new trailer 
Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> this voice comes out from the from the darkness. <laughs> I, I mean, I I did point, I did say in my uh, my YouTube video on this that I I still am not going to be quite convinced I'm going to see it this year until yep. I see you know the end credits, James Bond will return, all that kind of right. stuff. I'm still. I don't like, think they're going to stop the film halfway through for you, Cameron. I, it wouldn't uh, surprise me if, like, an EMP went off somewhere and all the cinemas in London, like, the digital projections all uh, stopped. Uh, it would not surprise me. Uh, so, yeah, I am, as ever, <laughs> cautiously optimistic, but we will see. Um, I'll say I'm getting there. If you'd asked me 24 hours ago, I'd have said no. Just because, and, I, and speaking only for myself, when they stopped, stepped on the brakes so hard back in the spring, you know, I'm, I, this is just my own personality. It takes me a little while to kind of get my engine started again. And then plus the concern about COVID. Um, so it's like, all right, do I try to go? We'll see. I mean, actually where I live, the theaters have been closed. I, they may have announced that they're going to reopen next week, but um yeah, I mean, I haven't really thought about it till this week, so we'll see. Is that a seven or an eight? Kind of out of ten, excited. Uh seven point five. I'll split. It. I'll split it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll give it a. I, I give it a seven in the sense that I am extremely excited about the, the the trailer in the film. I think it it looks amazing, and I think the trailer is 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 you know great at buoying me up and getting the enthusiasm uh, up in up for me, but. I still have so many concerns about um, going this film getting released in the theaters, um, primarily for COVID and, and, the, and the safety concerns. And you know, I bear I do bear in mind that you know the United States is very different to other countries, but um, I personally feel like it would be a a bad idea. Um, but that's that's a personal feeling. Uh, on top of which, I just I, I feel. Right, just from a just from a kind of a another perspective, I just feel like this this will probably end up getting delayed again, and it will probably end up being sometime next year, um, maybe an April release, or maybe another. Maybe it will go for a whole year and go back to to the next November. But I I, I guess I sort of feel like it's it's exciting me for the film, but also giving me. Kind of a lot of trepidation about it being released in in November. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty much the same as Ben. I, I'm I'm really excited to having seen the the trailer, and I, I wasn't sure how how excited I, I would be because uh, I'm still concerned about COVID. Uh, I'm not convinced that it will be released in November. Uh, and I, I wish they'd just go for premium video on demand. Uh, I'd pay an awful lot to see it at home, safe and sound, not have not have to worry about any of that. Um, yeah, simple as that. I, 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 the, I, even if I wanted to go to the premiere, if they have a premiere, uh, I, I'd have to uh, travel two weeks before because of the quarantine from Spain at the moment anyway. So that, that's, that's yeah, not going to happen. That's not going to happen for me. And I can't see that being lifted soon. I would, I would need to travel two weeks prior to it, to it happening. And then I would be putting two people who are extremely immune and compromised at risk. And, you know, I'm not going to kill my parents for, for seeing a movie. It's just how it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So. Phil? 
Um, I, I'd say I'm pretty excited. I, I, I didn't know uh, that I was as excited as I was until I watched it this mm. morning. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I kind of, I was hibernating or something. I'd kind of gone. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think we can all relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it was, it was fun. And, and I've said it before, but the anticipation uh, especially in the case of Spectre, was much more enjoyable than than the post version. So I I'm okay waiting if I have to wait. Uh, I really I love living in this space of being excited and seeing how they kind of try to tantalize us and present us with something. Um, I I am as a skept- skeptical as the rest of the other folks who have voiced their skepticism that it would that it's going to kind of come out in November. And if it comes out everywhere but the states in November, or it comes out in the states in November, I might have to figure out how to. To just basically delete all my accounts and and put my phone on airplane mode until I'm somehow able to see this. Because if you guys are anything like me, you know that everyone comes running to you with every yeah. Bond tidbit. Uh, even if you try to avoid it, they just drop it in your lap. And uh, if I'm not able to see this on the day it opens, uh, we, uh, and like that's it. Like our phones are just going to be exploding by all the people who did get to yeah. see it. Does it just go completely off the grid? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't forget, Phil, you've still got to cope with um, an eight-day lead time in the UK. <sighs> If you're in the States, right? So. Yeah, that's right. Damn it. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> so, um, Lisa, how did you, did, did it reignite your excitement for this? Uh, yeah. I mean, I saw it, I got chills. And then like the researcher in me got excited, got excited because like I can, like I can actually see like different research papers that I'm probably going to write about this this particular film or how it concludes the Daniel Craig era. And so for me, like research-wise, I would like it to come out in November so that I can start the work that I'm going to need to do in order to really fully understand what is happening in the Daniel Craig era. On a personal level, give me an online digital option. I will pay. I will pay to see my copy, and I'll probably have to purchase a copy just because I need to watch it a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm genuinely concerned about COVID and uh, the state that we are in the U.S. And I, I don't think it is feasible for many of us to go see it, whether we're immunocompromised or not. Uh, there's just a lot going on um, here in the states, and so I'm not really sure how that's going to work. If if there's going to be different options. And so um, I, I just sort of like, I'm excited for the film, but I'm sort of still in a wait and see mode. Just like I felt for some reason in my gut, you know, I made no plans to see um, this back in April. Cause in my gut, I was like, I don't know, something doesn't feel right. And I didn't feel like I was ready to see the film. It was a weird, it was a weird winner for me where I was like, eh, I don't know if this is going to happen. And then COVID happened and it didn't happen. And I was like, okay, you know, gut, 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 you know, led me right. But I don't know what my gut's telling me right now about this. I think my gut is just scared in general for humankind. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the film no matter what. I just hope that there's options for people to see it safely so we can live up to the title, This Is No Time to Die. Nice. Good way to end it. Yeah, um, that was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> really I'm good. So, I, I'm really proud yeah. of that, by the way. <laughs> I took AJ's comments off uh, from before when we were getting things ready, and I'm like, ooh, Whoa. he's raised the bar on us. <laughs> <laughs> Close, strong. So that note, I'd like to thank Lisa, Bill, Ben, Phil, Calvin, David, and AJ for joining us this week. Thank you. And, uh, we hope thank if you. you're listening, you're enjoying our watch-alongs. If not, where have you been? Um, it's a fun way to spend three plus hours. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be recording Goldfinger tomorrow after uh, eventually one of our, so. All right. 
see you all next time, guys. Bye. See you. Bye. James Bond is marrying Miss Money Penny. I know it's a secret I've been dying to tell someone. I guess when push had come to shove, it always felt that love between them. It's the little things, you know. Wet the glue and slam the show On those sick days, St. Nick days He was everything all of us That we should sing us one more song I got no love for your kind Oh Some time to I'm dying to tell someone James Bond is marrying Miss Money Penny, I know, and it's a little thing, you know. <laughs>